and welcome to episode number 60 of the Lions Podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by Brett Colson and Fairway Jay, where we run down the big bets, the big news, the big happenings in all of the sports betting, daily fantasy, and even a little bit of poker commentary on here, guys. Since we last met, we have a World Series of Poker champion. We have a new state that has launched sports betting. We have all kinds of things to catch up on. I will admit this was my fault. I went overseas, was gone for three weeks. And listen, I understand that I'm the the cog that makes this this thing turn here, Brett. And I am very happy that you chose not to go without me because I know that it would just not it would not have worked if I was not on this podcast. Well, not only that, but you got to keep the streak alive. You've it's done true. all fifty nine. We can't break the streak. We're, is, we're trying to set records here, man. Th- this is true. I am still the Cal Ripken of this podcast, and I'm feeling pretty good about that, Jay. Since we last talked here, uh, like I said, we have a a main event world champion. We've got new states that have opened up and we're hell. We're entering into football season. It is August the 1st, guys. And by the time that you listen to this very podcast, there will have been a preseason football game already. It's crazy. I get up and I look at the lines in ML Major League Baseball and I'm checking all the matchups and the pitching and then I click over and I see the preseason lines and the movement <laughs> in our Hall of Fame game and yeah I think about that it was a big summer in Las Vegas with the uh, World Series of Poker as you mentioned and then you know you click on any news or you know through the Google links and you see all of the I mean daily you're seeing the states and different states adding the uh, legal sports betting or where they're at in legislation and updates so it's it's you know it's a mad rush here as football gets ready to kick off for many of those uh, sports books and states and companies but it's an exciting time and certainly the month leading into the football season both college and pro is one of the best uh, best to talk about it and get going shameless plug time we are located on apple Podcasts, spotify stitcher google podcast you can find us on the twitter machine at the lines us at play picks us of course all the stuff that jay was just talking about all this news you can find at the lines.com and our sister site legalsportsreport.com so be sure and stay on top of all the information over there all right brett let's get right into this thing here we have an interview a little bit later with nick bonadio of the FanDuel group we talk a lot a lot of cool stuff with them actually some dfs stuff a lot of sports betting stuff give some insight of where they're looking at and what they're doing for this upcoming season but uh, FanDuel, that that company is now going to be a a player in the Pennsylvania market. Yeah, the FanDuel Sportsbook app is now live and accepting real money bets in Pennsylvania. It is the fourth online sportsbook to launch in the Keystone State and really the first big gun operator in the state. I mean, DraftKings is not live there yet. We'll touch on that here in a bit. But even though FanDuel isn't the first to market, uh, they still are are. The, they won the race, really, uh, to get there, uh, especially had a football season here. So good for FanDuel, and they have a pretty sizable sizable advantage over the other books already in the state because they are the only one to offer PayPal deposits and withdrawals. They also are the only book that has their app right on the Google and Apple store uh, because they were already available there in New Jersey, didn't need to get approved additionally. So really good week uh, for FanDuel and people in Pennsylvania who get to use that uh, beautiful app. It, it's 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 really great. It really is. It is a great app. I've been able to use it. Jay, you've you've been over to the East Coast and used some of these East Coast apps as well. That FanDuel app is a is a is a really 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 nice slick looking piece of of equipment there and certainly uh, works really well too. 
Yeah, I, it's it's exciting again to see the not only the uh, promotions and the, the the menu of options, but the apps that allow the users just to have a, a much better product when they are betting and and to get in and out in, in through the op- op- options available and and that's certainly one of the better ones uh, I think we've seen and and we've talked before about some of them in, in Nevada and Las Vegas and some of the improvements that can be made, but they're it's just a it's just an added convenience and great to use. We just mentioned, uh, Brett just mentioned here, DraftKings does now have a path to open in Pennsylvania as well. We won't get into all the nuance of all that. If you want that, listen to the LSR podcast. There is a deep dive into all the stuff that went on there. But basically, they had a they have a deal amongst other guys with Penn National now. So they are going to be launching in Pennsylvania, we assume, as soon as they possibly can. And some other big news to come out of DraftKings was that they have deals with the PGA Tour now, Brett, which is certainly something that is very interesting from our end here because while it looks like it is catered towards daily fantasy, we really know this is the long play for sports betting here. Yeah, we asked them about that, and, and they're they're keeping it tight to the vest about that. And, you know, it, it is right now a daily fantasy partnership, but it's ex- it's exciting regardless for people who love daily fantasy golf like me, and I know you do as well, uh, there are some really cool applications for both DFS and the PGA Tour products out of this. We, we talked to both sides this week about the possibilities. It, sound, it sounds like there's going to be some real-time video highlights where players can watch what's going on with the players in their lineups. There's some rumblings about DraftKings lineup integration within the PGA Tour app. And maybe the best part of this is the exposure it gives DFS to the casual golf fan who's just clicking around on the PGA Tour website or just watching the PGA Tour uh, on TV. Uh, Expect to see a good amount of DraftKings promotion, including some how-to type content via written and video. video. So, I mean, people can learn how to play DFS just by watching it uh, on the PGA Tour uh, platforms uh, on TV. So, I mean, if you play daily fantasy golf, definitely check out the article by Juan Carlos Blanco with the lines going up either today or Friday. Uh, pretty exciting stuff for the industry. Jay, the NBA wrapped up. And of course, it never really wraps up for sports betters. The futures odds are already out. If you take a look at how this has broken down, the Clippers and Lakers, both in both of the L.A. teams seem to be leading the market here as far as the futures for next NBA season. Of course, if you were living under a rock and did not understand that Anthony Davis went to the Lakers and Kawhi Leonard, Paul George went over to the Uh, Went over to the Clippers. That is why those two teams are leading the way here. Um, I don't know about and, you know, we're we're not here to necessarily give a ton of advice on on this podcast all the time. But betting a futures bet at plus three twenty five for me in in (laughs) August of the year before the season starts, just to me, I don't know, doesn't really float my boat. It's amazing. You know, we, we saw even lower odds, obviously, with Golden State when they're during their dominant run here, and there was talk that if the Lakers could have landed Kawhi Leonard, that they'd be, uh, you know, maybe minus one twenty, minus one fifty <laughs> to win it all, not plus price. And and again, I I'm like you, I don't tie my money up um, much long term in advance. Although I I will play some futures um, during the season if I think there's opportunities, um, even if I've lost a you know number coming down from say 40 to one down to 25 to one. If I really believe that team now is in position after just a couple of weeks, maybe to win their division or have a better chance. And I do that in some of the PGA tour betting weekly where you're seeing the adjusted odds during the event after round by round. But I, I, um, 
again, so little value, if any, in in those teams that are um, – you know, priced at three to one or four to one to win it all at this point. You have to remember once they get into the playoffs, many of those teams that are, are going to be even longer odds, uh, the Lakers, unless they like had a dominant season or the Clippers where they were, um, you know, a 60 plus win team and then going into the playoffs, they might be that. So you're just, it, it, those are not good, good bets uh, from a value perspective. And I don't think from a, a long-term look, certainly the household is much higher. And uh, if you're going to make those and want to do it, then look at some of the long shot for the futures, knowing as well, you have opportunities through places like prop swap to sell off if, if they're doing well and, and you have an opportunity to uh, still Lock in a profit, but little to no value on those futures. I don't play them in the NBA, especially at those prices. Yeah, and for the, with the Lakers, it's not like Anthony Davis has been the pillar of health since he's been in the NBA either. So getting them at four to one on a guy that has certainly had his fair share of injuries since he's been in the league is pretty bonkers to me. I would certainly yeah, wait. Yeah, and, and, and LeBron takes how many games off during the season? They might be like a four seed going in, which means they don't get home court in, in the, the Western Finals. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm certainly not buying the Lakers at plus 425 right now. Yeah, pretty. And that's the biggest risk, as you, you both hit on there, is the injuries. You just, I mean, in, in any sport, in any future, you're you're taking that risk. But at the, at that price, you're you know you're you're going to really be in trouble if a key player like that goes down. Brett, now with these movements, of course, Kawhi Leonard heading west, it affected not only the odds there for the Clippers, but also. The teams in the Eastern Conference, because he he obviously him bailing on that conference certainly helps other teams here. How did that affect some of those Eastern Conference teams? Yeah, especially in New Jersey, where there are a lot of 76ers fans. According to DraftKings, 41 percent of handle and 31 percent of bets on futures next year were on the Sixers after Kawhi decided to leave Toronto. So, uh, I mean, the move certainly opened up the conference a bit more, and locals are apparently excited about the 76ers who did re-sign Tobias Harris. They signed Al Horford. The front court is tremendous defensively, but, man, (laughs) you've still got a ball handler in Ben Simmons who, as good as he is, can't shoot a basketball from outside 12 feet. So, I mean, that's going to continue to be a problem for them. And, you know, is that is is he a guy who can carry a team to a championship? We don't know. So, I mean, it's hard to buy the 76ers with all this money coming in. It's still coming in too. the odds last week on the Sixers to win the title at DraftKings were plus 900. They're now plus 750. So everybody high on the Sixers, I would not recommend uh, buying them right now if you live in New Jersey or Pennsylvania. Yeah, a 100K bet on the 76ers to make the playoffs came in at minus 5,000. People <laughs> are very happy about this. Uh, the chances for the 76ers now that Kawhi has left town. And while we're talking about transactions here, before we move into the NFL, Jay, one of the big things, it was kind of a sleepy trade deadline for the MLB until right at the very, very end. Actually, the news came in after supposedly the deadline had gone ahead and eclipsed. And, of course, Zach Grinke moves to an already ridiculously amazing rotation for the Houston Astros. That puts the Houston Astros as the odds-on favorite to win the World Series. Do you think that that movement is justified? I mean, we they are getting one of the premier pitchers in the league and adding to a rotation that was already one of the better in the league. I don't think there's any question it it bolsters a tremendous pitching rotation, a starting rotation. They have more flexibility there. Um, I, I, I certainly like the Astros. I know there, there are some props out there that 
were available. Uh, Yankees, Astros, Dodgers laying maybe 175 to win 100 if you thought any of those could win the World Series. So those were out there, and I'm sure it's gotten steeper on the price. But to, again, now when you're talking about looking at in-player or during the season and after a trade, you at least know the Astros are obviously in position to take their division and they'll be there in the playoffs and now you have to decide are they going to be able to beat the Yankees and the others that get in the Twins or the Indians as the wild card and and, um, I I, I haven't played the Astros the thing to uh, have considered as uh, and for future when the trade deadline's coming up is you want to anticipate you certainly don't know if they're going to be able to sign a pitcher or if there's rumors out there that the Grankies joining the Astros but you want to be able to anticipate that knowing that somebody did email me said they got the Astros at plus 450 had them to win it all and plus 160 to win the American League prior to the trade there's a you know there's some value there was better numbers there maybe anticipating ahead if you could do that but that was the big move and the Astros certainly bolstered an already strong uh, strong team I heard nothing about Grinky to the Astros no. beforehand. I mean, that was a bombshell. So yeah, same with that, me. That, I was I was following yeah. it pretty closely, and that really did just kind of come out of nowhere. And boy, that the Astros front office man, they are they are going after another ring, and it certainly certainly looks like they have a very good chance to get it. Now, we talk about the NFL and how that is the big betting time of the year. All of the sports books are getting prepared for all of this, and they're actually taking some action as we speak right now. Again, by the time you listen to this, there will probably be at least it will be on your television set or it'll be in the books. There will be a preseason game that will have gone off. The Hall of Fame game goes off tonight on August the 1st here. Jay, you just posted an article talking about preseason NFL betting. And if we have people out there who are talking about, uh, you know, wanting to get involved here and looking at some of these odds that are out for the for week one. Well, I think that you're you're what you're trying to say is if you really take a look at this stuff, there's some value and can be some value in betting the NFL preseason. If you're if you really pay attention and you're savvy and, and watch the um, and believe you're getting truthful quotes from some of the coaches, they will give some insight on uh, player rotations, quarterbacks that are expected to play, what quarters, how much. But uh, you really have to be on top of understanding that you're betting many times on second halves where the backups are in third and fourth string quarterbacks. And if you're going to play this. Um, you have to understand some of the components that go into it. And one of them is the spot and the motivation. And most of these teams, you know, it, it's not about wins and losses. It's evaluation and giving the uh, a lot of the younger players that are coming in opportunities to play so that they can determine how they're going to fit. Are they going to be a starter? How are they going to make the team? Where are they going to play on special teams? And um, a lot of times I look for is opportunities after the first game. So if a team starts 0-1 and maybe they're playing a team that's 1-0, teams don't want to go 0-4 in the preseason. If, if there is any motivation in preseason, it might be to be able to improve off the first week. You get more reps in, uh, in practice, and now maybe that second week you also see other quarterbacks that maybe start or are projected to now get into the game because a lot of the starters are not playing, especially that game tonight. We know both starting quarterbacks, Joe Flacco and Matt Ryan, are not going to play. So now you're you're you got two rookies going for the uh, Broncos after. Uh, 
after the first quarterback comes in, the former kid from Stanford, and and you've got an experienced guy like Schaub, I think, going for the Falcons, and and those are things to consider. Have they played and what kind of experience they got? But motivational spots are something to watch. Obviously, QB rotations and then coaching tendencies. And I think we saw the big line move here on the Broncos is one, um, Fangio, the new Broncos coach. He's never been a head coach. Certainly, he's been a longtime assistant and experienced in an excellent defense last year for Chicago. But you know, he might have a little more motivation the players to go out and uh, get things rolling, especially after such poor seasons the last two years. Yeah, the, the point you bring I, up there. I read, like, I read, yeah, the point you bring up there is kind of like what I always say is is the preseason might be the only time where kind of taking into what we've looked at as 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 square indicators, like square betters will will listen to coach speak during the season. And like we we we've been in this long enough to understand that. A lot of time the coach speak that comes out during the actual regular season, sometimes they're just throwing smoke screens. Sometimes they're just trying to throw off their opponent or whatever it might be. But a lot of times in the preseason, if they say like, hey, we want to get a good look at this kid or, hey, we kind of want to like see what these guys can do or some of of these other guys are kind of like, yeah, you know, we're really just out here to get the reps. I actually I actually in the preseason kind of do listen to coach speak and take it into account way, way more. I mean, like, you know, 10x over what happens in the regular season because you know some of these guys they don't really have any reason to lie they don't really have any any reason to throw up any smoke screens during the preseason and they're just kind of telling the media off the cuff what they're thinking about and I think that you can actually listen to some of these coaches and get some insight into what they're going to do and how they're going to approach these games there's no question and, and the real one of the reasons another reason for the move I think here is that I believe Atlanta coach Quinn um, I think their Falcons are 0-8 in their last preseason eight preseason games I don't think they've won and so he's telling you they don't put much stock in it certainly there's little to no game planning at all and he just wants the first game or evaluation to go through those kind of lines but um, the one last thing I'll comment on the preseason versus the regular season you won't see significant line moves in the uh, regular season you know the, the lines are tighter they're they're usually pretty close and you'll see some movement but in the preseason and, and, and you know you don't necessarily want to follow the movement in the regular season you're more likely to fade it but in the, in the preseason you see some big lines Moves. I mean, the Broncos opened up uh, an underdog here, at least a point and a half, I believe, and now they're a two and a half point favorite. And you're, you're more inclined to want to know that that sharper money and or people believing that they got um, information uh, just just based on like the Quinn not winning and they're just they're moving the money and that's more likely to follow that. And yet I would not lay um, a two and a half, which again, you think it's under three, but in the preseason, you got to remember the end of games, they're going to go for two if the game's tied instead of kicking the field goal and forcing overtime most of the time. And so um, two and a half is a much different number than it is during the regular season when you're talking about a preseason line. You talk about coaching records and motivation. Is that something you guys look at betting preseason? Because some of these coaches have impeccable preseason records. Mike Zimmer's Mike Zimmer's seventeen and four straight up in the preseason. John Harbaugh's thirty three and twelve. He's won his last thirteen preseason games. I mean, those trends. No, absolutely. It's 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 one of those things where it really does the preseason. I honestly and truly believe means more to some coaches than it does other coaches. I think there are coaches who who hit the field and feel like no, this really is a tune up. A this really is like you know basically little mini games for us where I think there are other coaches who are out there saying like, look, let's not get hurt here. Let's just get, let's get in some quality reps. Let's see what some of these third string guys can do. I honestly and truly do believe that the, the preseason means a whole lot more to some coaches than other ones. 
No question. We're seeing it with, with the Atlantic coach, Quinn, who is, again, I believe it's 0-8, and he hasn't uh, shown an, an interest in uh, certainly wins and losses, but motivationally, usually not much um, in the preseason. But if you find, like you said, you read the coach's comments, and I, I think especially after the first game, um, you'll see you'll see the teams looking to improve and especially coming off a loss. And by, by the third preseason game when the starters are playing more and kind of the dress rehearsal they call that third game, you're seeing um, a little better effort by all the players going in. And then the fourth game's kind of a crapshoot with um, with regards to players and cutting rosters down and all of that. But um, yeah, there's there's definitely you want to look at some of that with regards to coaching coaching and then you just really want to stay on top of the beat writers the media what the coaches are saying as best you can and uh, over time you kind of get an intuitive feel and an understanding on on some of that and how it's playing out and I'd say more veteran coaches won't always tell you exactly what's going on but I think the younger coaches uh, are going to tell it be a little more honest about what they plan to do and again that article is up at the lines by Jay so be sure and head over there and take a look at that while you are at it now we mentioned earlier we were able to sit down with Nick Bonadio of FanDuel Group. Really, really good conversation, some really good insight as to what they're looking to do, not only on the sports betting side of things, but on the daily fantasy side of things. So uh, here's our conversation with Nick. Now we are joined by a very special guest, Nick Bonadio, the chief product officer at FanDuel Group. We are very excited to have you on because, I mean, the news coming out of New Jersey for FanDuel has been nothing but absolutely glowing. I mean, you guys really, really crushing it over there. And a lot of that has to do with the stuff that you do and what you've brought to the table. So very, very happy to have you on the podcast. Thanks for joining us, Nick. Uh, thank you very much. You know, I, I wish I could feel, uh, you know, it, like I want to spread the wealth a little more. It wasn't just me. It's a team of hundreds of engineers. So I appreciate the nice things you said, but uh, you know, I'm far from the most important person I work on that stuff. So, but thank you. Well, it is, it is something else to see the growth of FanDuel over in New Jersey. I mean, just to kind of kick things off here, did you see things getting as big as they have gotten as rapidly as they have gotten for you guys? Yeah. I mean, I, I'd say yes and no. I mean, no in the sense of like, I think it's, it's gone even quicker than I thought. And, you know, I'm obviously thrilled to see that. Um, you know, I think we always knew New Jersey was going to be a big market. You know, you're close to the New York sports teams down South, you're close to Philly. And so you know, anyone who's a sports fan knows that there's a lot of sports interest around those areas. But I think, you know, we we've been surprised at how fast it's been. Um, but, you know, when I say that we, on the yes side of it, you know, I, I believe that we've got very, very strong technology teams internally. We've got strong product teams, we've got great designers. And so, you know, I was confident that we'd be able to build a good product. Um, I think I've just been more surprised at how the markets opened up and, and just really embraced the product that we've built. Before I kick it over to Brett to ask a question of you here, what's it like to have FanDuel launch in your home state of Pennsylvania? Uh, it's been great. You know, uh, as you guys apparently know, but maybe your listeners don't. I'm I'm uh, born and raised Pittsburgher, total Yinzer, Steelers, Penguins, Pirates, Pitt, you know, just full on. So uh, it's great. You know, obviously Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, you got Penn State, you know, really, really great locals um, for sports betting. Um, yeah, it's just exciting. You know, we're actually going to be in Pittsburgh in, in, in two weeks talking to Jerome Bettis. We've been down in Philly talking to Brian Westbrook. 
you know, just the, the amount of energy around it's been super exciting. And, you know, obviously, uh, you know, I'm excited to get into Pennsylvania, but I'm also excited about West Virginia. I'm also excited about other states that are opening up. Um, it feels like we're on the first mile of a marathon, but uh, we've run the first mile at kind of four minute pace here. So it's, it's, it's pretty exciting. All right. So I'm in upstate New York where we don't yet have a mobile sports betting option, but I live a little more than an hour away from the PA border. I'm going to be driving down to play some NFL bets before the season starts. Tell me why I should deposit on FanDuel before any of the other operators in the state and what I can expect to find if I haven't used the FanDuel Sportsback, uh, Sportsbook app before. Sure. So you know, like one thing that, that I've really tried to hammer home in my product team um, here at FanDuel is that, you know, the main things that people care about relative to to sports betting, you know, they want to feel secure. And so we've really made sure that the onboarding process is as easy as possible. The deposit process is easy as possible. The withdrawal process is easy as possible. Like we're really favoring user experience over anything else. And I know that sounds kind of cliche for someone in the technology world to say, but you know, we really mean it. Like we've, we've done a lot of user research, do a lot of user testing. We make sure that, you know, at, from a user's perspective, whether you're savvy with sports betting or not, it's a very easy product to use. You understand where everything is. You can find bets easily and so on. I think with a lot of the operational back end of Patty Power, um, who for you, of those who don't know, um, on, on the podcast are, um, you know, our partners in this and, you know, our, our corporate partners in a lot of ways, you know, we have a lot of operational capabilities behind the scenes that allow us to have really strong in-play markets, allow us to have a really wide breadth of markets available, but also have really attractive lines. And so I think what we do is we combine you know, this really strong operational backend with you know, really strong user experience on the front end, which you know, in, a, in a holistic way, overall way, makes for a really compelling product. Give us a, give us a, a, a peek uh, into what you're gonna be offering for week one, obviously, you know, the spreads, totals, money lines, but as far as like player props and anything else, uh, you might not be able to find anywhere else in Pennsylvania or New Jersey. Yeah, so, you know, kind of getting back to what I was saying around, you know, how we partner with Patty Power on the back end, you know, another company that is within the FanDuel group that I actually started, I'm, I'm very close to is NumberFire. So, you know, having a team like NumberFire, uh, you know, on the bus, so to speak. And again, with the back end of Patty Power, we're going to have a very, very wide range of player props. Um, you know, like everything you can drill down into how many passing touchdowns a player might have, um, yards, really, you know, like for anyone who is playing season long fantasy who, or even daily fantasy, who tends to think of things in terms of fantasy sports over betting, you know, the same logic that goes into whether you play quarterback A or quarterback B in fantasy sports that's basically just a player prop. And so, you know, it won't seem all that foreign to you to go in and look at the player props and see the breadth of markets we have available. So uh, moving over to DFS real quick, I looked this morning, I did not see Fandle week one salaries up on uh, the DFS side, which is good. I think it's still a little too early for that, but can you give us an idea of when they'll be live, what you guys are cooking up contest wise, maybe for week one? Yeah, so I'm actually going out tomorrow. So I'm not sure when the podcast itself is going to be delivered, but you know, we're going live with it tomorrow. Um, I think you make an interesting point. You know, on one hand, you know, we do want to wait a little bit because, you know, we don't want to be in a situation where, you know, Antonio Brown tears his ACL in the, in, in the preseason or something like that. We already saw it a little bit with, you know, some injuries, um, you know, to, to – to, to AJ Green, no one knows what's going to happen with Melvin Gordon. And so, you know, we don't want salaries to be so loose where there's just a bunch of obvious plays, 
But we also, you know, realize there's a lot of demand for this stuff, a lot of interest in DFS. And so it's kind of like a hard middle ground to find between getting out there early, but also getting out there late enough that, you know, the pricing seems pretty tight. And so we're going to go live with it tomorrow. Um, I think what you're going to see new coming out of DFS is we really overhauled our, our, our entire live scoring. So, you know, one of the things that we've heard consistently from users is if I've got a lot of contests in a, in, in a certain slate, you know, 10, 15, 20, even 100 lineups, it's really hard to follow all of that in live scoring. So we've overhauled our live scoring. We've overhauled our lobby itself, you know. We've done a lot of work using predictive um, algorithms and, and sort of personalization mechanisms such that, you know, each time we go back to FanDuel, you're going to see the contest in which you like and the price points you like uh, filtered up to the top by default. And so any modern program, whether it's Netflix or Facebook, or whatever, has a real robust set of personalization to it. And FanDuel's no different. And so we've done a lot of work, maybe not in the most sexy features, but a lot of back-end work to make sure that your overall experience is better. Since, you, since we are talking about DFS, let's talk one thing that's come out in the industry. And uh, it's kind of a hot topic here is the payout structure of the GPPs. Is there anything that you guys have talked about that we might actually see this upcoming season. A lot of people say that, you know, it's too top heavy and then other people say, well, we need that because we want to attract casual players. And I understand there's a fine line that you guys have to walk with all that. Yeah. You know, it's, it's certainly a debated topic around here. Like I actually sit next to our prod ops guys. So I hear them talking about it constantly. So, you know, it's certainly also a hot topic around here. I think what I'd say is, no, we are committed towards testing these things. You know, we certainly hear the feedback um, I think you're right that the top heavy or so the, the larger top line numbers do attract more casual players, but that doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, we want people to feel like, Oh, I finished third, but I don't, I don't really feel like I finished third. And so I think what you'll see is you'll see different uh, structures depending on how big the contest is and what the payout structures are. So, you know, we may have a contest one week, our biggest GPP is maybe a more top heavy contest, but as you go down to smaller entry fees and smaller total entries, you'll see a more flatter structure. And so what we'll do is we'll basically just kind of look at the data, look at where users are flocking to. Now, I'm active on Rotor Grinders all the time. So I'm reading the forums, I'm available on Twitter. Like, you know, I look at all that information and I kind of just collate it. And if it seems like one structure is winning over the other, then you know, we're not going to be hesitant to make those changes. What will the contest structure look like? Are you going to have uh, your single game slate on Sunday night and then Monday night again? Yeah, so we, we really like single game. I think single game, you know, is, is a format that, you know, if you're a fan of a team, like maybe you really know the Steelers, but you don't really know much about the vaunted offense of the Tennessee Titans, you know, single game may be a more attractive option for you. So we're definitely be running single game on Thursday, Sunday, and Monday. Um, your typical GPPs in more larger slates on, on Sundays. And, yeah, I think, you know, there's going to be a lot of options in the lobby for people, you know, and even beyond just, you know, like football, we're going to run free-to-play games. So we have Survivor and Pick'em that are coming back that we ran last year. And we're, we're in the market with tennis right now. We're going to have baseball. You know, so I think one of the guiding maxims we have around DFS is that, you know, I think of DFS as kind of the world's best toy store. I want you to come back to the lobby every single day and find something new and cool to play around with. That, that might be tennis one day. That might be baseball the next day. Maybe the day after we run a special contest where you can only pick guys named Steve or the day after that, it's only guys who went to Notre Dame. Like, you know, I believe a lot in sort of merchandising in the sense of always making it cool and fun and some new contest to play. So let's talk a little uh, bit. Of, oh, go ahead. 
Uh, I was going to just say, I got a comment and a question, if it's okay. Um, Nick, this is Fairway Jay. I, I have been covering and writing about sports and betting and handicapping and researching all of it for years. And I just wanted to comment. I was out at the betting uh, on Sports America conference in April and was able to see the FanDuel Sportsbook and really, really impressed with the, the interest there, but also the space and the layout of uh, the Sportsbook itself. And it's great to see the growth and online opportunities through FanDuel as well. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. And uh, I, I just I wanted to clarify because um, in listening to you say about the player props is so, so with regards to the sports betting itself, you're, you're going to see more of that because out, I've been in Vegas almost 20 years and we don't see other than, you know, the Super Bowl is a huge time to bet on the props, but we don't see that week to week. Is that that's something that FanDuel will have as an offering for all of their customers throughout the season and, and on a weekly basis? Yeah. So we're going to lean in pretty hard into player props, you know, again, you know, coming from a, a DFS season long background, you know, there, there are 30 million people who play season long and I don't know what the exact number is. You now FSTA has that number, whatever it is, but you know, where the growth is going to come from on the sports book side is going to be reaching out to people who are somewhat unfamiliar with sports betting. You know, the guys who have bet offshore, the guys who go to Vegas, so they're familiar with, with, sports betting enough that we don't necessarily need to tailor our product to speak to them. Where the growth is going to come from is how we cross over users who are more familiar with DFS or with season long. And so, you know, player props fits directly into that. Um, and so, you know, we know just from numbers that, yeah, most people, when they think of betting, they think totals, they think spread, they think money line, we're going to make that easy. But, you know, when it gets to a more casual audience or a, a newer audience, maybe someone from Pittsburgh just wants to bet on how many touchdowns uh, Ben Roethlisberger is going to have. And so, you know, we do want to make sure that we have a pretty robust set of player props available. And we're also, you know, like doing a lot of work to figure out how to do multiple bets on the same game. And so, you know, historically it's been difficult to have multiple bets on a single game because a lot of those markets are correlated with each other and therefore it's hard to educate risk on our side. But we're doing a lot of work to make sure that, again, if I'm a Steelers fan, I can simultaneously bet on the Steelers to win, the Steelers over, and Ben Roethlisberger to have more than three touchdowns. Um, because then it kind of doubles and quadruples down my interest in Steelers, but it allows me to kind of like, you know, kind of go really all in on a team that I like. And so we're doing a lot of work on the back end around single game multi, but you know, we're definitely going to lean in quite a bit on player props. And Nick, with regards to our listeners to pass along during the week, when, when will those props usually be posted as far as which day leading, say for a for the Sunday games, when might yeah, be? Actually, like, I, I don't want to give you an incorrect answer. Like I don't know. Um, you know, I think it's it's going to be somewhat like DFS in the sense of like we, we will want to get it out there early, but not so early that, you know, some things around injuries and things like that, you know, like won't be factored. Sure. So I, I don't have an exact answer for you, but like I can say just generally speaking, it, it's something that we're going to be pretty aggressive about. Terrific. So let's talk a little bit about sports betting here on the East Coast. I mean, we know. We've seen a little bit of difference. We saw last football season, and you know that was kind of the trial run over there on the East Coast. But we did see some lines, and we saw some certainly some win totals and different things that varied from what we got out here on the West Coast because, of course, the East Coast bias there with the teams being um, located there. Now with Pennsylvania opening, do you imagine that you guys will have kind of different lines, different totals, different win totals, different props, different things like that going up, even between New Jersey and Pennsylvania? 
Um, yeah, I mean, not in like in a, in a like materially large sense. I think to someone like you guys who covers this a hundred percent and like, you're kind of zooming in on, you know, the giants or the, or the Eagles, maybe there'd be small differences, but I think there's going to be large scale differences. I think, you know, we do have a system that's going to be responsive towards like, you know, demand and, and sort of where the money is going. And so we will be paying attention to that, but there may be sort of small differences here and there, but I don't think it's really like a large systematic thing we're going to have. I think, you know, what we want to do is, is we want to provide, you know, lines which are attractive to anyone in, in, in any locality they're in. And so, you know, whether that, manifests itself sometimes in slight differences that might happen, but, you know, it's not something that we're, we're, you know, actively trying to, you know, juice the team in uh, betters in New Jersey. You know, it's, 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 it's not quite that, uh, that systematic on our side or cynical, I guess a better way to say it. So last year, you guys, uh, we, we cover look ahead lines every week. Usually we uh, would look at the Westgate because they were the, the first to come out with uh, the lines for the, uh, the, the week ahead. FanDuel started doing that last year. I think you guys started posting lines like a Wednesday uh, in advance of the, the next week. Are, are, can we expect to see that again this year? And what kind of, what kind of betting volume do you get that early on? Uh, we get a decent amount. I mean, I think, you know, one of the things that we have to be realistic about is that, you know, the, 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 the offshore books, you know, I hate them. I want them to go away. I think they're illegal scum, but they are what they are. Right. And so if they offer things super early, you know, we are at risk towards people going over there as an alternative, even though again, to be hundred percent clear to your audience, they are illegal and they are scum and I hate them. Um, but you know, like that's a reality. And so, you know, again, we have to sort of like thread the needle between getting out there early to sort of capture some of that demand, but also not so early in which we're disproportionately risked depending on injuries or this or that. And so it is kind of a fine balance, but, you know, we do want to get out there and, and like, it's actually kind of similar to DFS in terms of like how early do you go with week one? You know, we want to be able to, to find the middle ground between capturing some of that interest and not making it disproportionately risky. And so, yeah, I think, you know, something like Tuesday, Wednesday probably feels right, but you know, I'm, I'm far from the expert on our risk and trading team. I, I probably defer to them, but I don't think you'll see anything materially different this year than, than what you saw last year relative towards um, how early we're in market. So we have the super contest out here in Vegas. We have uh, Circa that just opened up here in Vegas. They are going to launch a handicapping contest as well. Of course, you're, you know DraftKings very well. They held the sports betting championship last year. Of course, that not being a season-long deal, that just being a, a one-weekend type thing. You guys looked at handicapping contests. Is there anything coming down the pike? Is this something that uh, you know f- people who play at FanDuel can look forward to this football season? Yeah, you know, we definitely looked at, you know, it's, it's something we've kicked around a lot. You know, obviously the reality of the wire act makes it a little bit difficult. Like I would love it if we could run a nationwide super contest and, you know, like that would be the coolest thing ever. And the, the wire act kind of prohibits that for a lot of reasons. Also, you know, just because it's online, you no, know, you're still not allowed proxies. You still have to be in New Jersey to, to, you know, bet on it. Um, so it like for a lot of reasons, the wire act makes a true super contest the way that we would like to build it impossible. So, you know, we've really thought about it. Um, but you know, I don't think we're going to come up with anything this year. I think, you know, just generally speaking, you know, you can imagine development and product resources are, are a finite thing. And so we have to kind of pick and choose, 
where we allocate our resources. Obviously, we're super excited about Pennsylvania. We're super excited about new states. I think you, a lot of our interest is making sure that those states come online as quickly as they can. But you know, we tend to probably focus more of our resources on you know pure user experience stuff. So kind of less about you know building something like super contest and more kind of the unsexy stuff is like, how do we make it easier for someone to withdraw or how do we get yet another payment method as an option beyond just credit cards or ACH or things like that. And so, you know, if I have to choose between something experiential that, that makes the experience itself better versus some feature stuff, nine times out of 10, I'll choose experience. And that probably makes it less interesting for you guys because you probably guys can't write a blog article about, you know, some minor backend change that we made. But I think in a long-term sense, it, it manifests itself in a better product, which in turn manifests itself in a stronger commercial uh, uh, performance. Totally fair. And I totally understand there. Before we let you go, you said that you are available on Twitter. You like to talk to people. You like to hear things. So where can they find you on the Twitter machine if they want yeah. to? If, I'm, sure, I'm sure it's all positive that you get on Twitter, right? You never get any vitriol or hate or anything. I'm sure it's all positive. Well, like in that sense, I feel like a rapper. Like I love the haters <laughs> just as much as I love the fans. Um, look, I mean, you know, I tell people all the time, like I can't fix things unless I know about them. So if you're having some trouble, like, you know, you hate our pricing on golf or you know, whatever it is, like, yeah, like, let me know. Um, I'm available on Twitter, just my first name and my last name. So N-I-K-B-O-N-A-D-D-I-O. Um, I'm on Rotor Grinders a lot, just kind of checking in on things. So I'm available there. Um, Dustin can tell you I'm always getting in some stupid fights with people on Twitter. Um, so I'm getting my involved in some, getting involved in some fracases now and then. So yeah, you know, I, like what I say is like, I'm a sports fan, just like anyone else. Like I love my wife and I love sports and that's basically it. And so if I wasn't in the position I was in, I'd probably be that guy talking a bunch of crap to whoever the CPO of FanDuel was, if it wasn't me. So, um, you know, I'm just one of the guys like anyone else. And so I, I enjoy hearing from people. I enjoy talking to people and I hope you get, I hope all your listeners, um, find something cool and fan to play this year. We really, really appreciate the time, Nick. I understand it's a very busy time of year for you as we head into the NFL season. We wish you guys the best of luck over there at FanDuel and thanks again for the time. Well, my pleasure guys. Thank you so much. I want to thank Nick for taking the time to talk to us, Brett. One of the things was interesting, I asked him kind of about the, the DFS payout structure, and that's been a very hot topic, I mean, basically since the beginning of DFS. You and I have been playing pretty much since DFS was a thing, and this, this has been basically the topic that has never gone away, is how do you go about setting up these GPPs? What is best for the industry? What is best for the players? What is best for everyone in the overall? We've had every single angle of this debated from top to bottom, you know, listen, if their if their stance is, you know, some weeks we're going to have top heavy tournaments and then some weeks we're going to have flat payout tournaments and we'll kind of assess what how the market is playing those and, and what the what the you know backlash and or positive feedback might be on those. Listen, I guess I can't really hate on that. I, I really do hate to see these twenty five dollar buy ins with the million up top and then second place is a hundred grand. So I mean, you know, like the nine hundred K drop from first to second. I don't like those tournaments. I don't like to play those types of tournaments, but at the same time, from a business perspective, I do understand that the lottery ticket mentality for the casual player does exist and you know, they're trying to attract new players. Yeah, I don't play them either, but the beautiful thing about NFL is there are so many other contests to play that aren't as top heavy that you can, I mean, play those. You know, it, it is tough during like NHL and, and some of the smaller sports where, you know, the they have the one big contest that is super top heavy. And I, I wish they would make 
those payouts flatter. But NFL, there are so many options. Um, you can play single entry contests. You can play like the three max or the twenty max, and the, you know those contests are are much flatter at the top. So. Uh, yeah, I, I understand the complaints. I, I certainly understand where uh, Bonadio and, and Fandle are coming from as well. Uh, but uh, it, with NFL, I just I don't see the issue because of the, all the different options you have. And Jay, it looks like they are not going to be having some sort of handicap contest this year, though you could kind of tell that they certainly put a lot of thought into it. And I wouldn't be surprised if we saw something even next NFL season. We'll certainly have some more states on tap there. Maybe they do some sort of thing like where you, you know, they're, they're, you win your state and then you go to some sort of live, you know, the final thing or something, something oh, along those aspects. But it doesn't look like we're going to get some sort of handicapping contest from FanDuel this year. That part you just mentioned would be kind of cool if they could oh, do a state-by-state. State. <laughs> no question. But, um, yeah, I think that, but it sounds like from the Wire Act, they have maybe obviously some concerns about being able to do something nationally at this point and um, nothing offered coming forward. But there's uh, there's plenty of other games that like, they offer and, and, and ability to play. All right, guys, we are rolling into the NFL season here and just wanted to take a look at some of the totals over on DraftKings if you guys are looking at some of these futures and win totals and of course we are not even into the preseason yet so there will be injuries that happen it happens every single year there will be major injuries that happen it happens every single year but as we sit right now there are a few teams that have double digit win totals there are several teams that have six or fewer win totals here we wanted to go over the top and the bottom here to see if there's any sort of advantage any sort of anything that you might want to play or take into account whenever you're looking at these things and Let's start out here with the Chiefs, Jay, obviously a team that was the the hottest thing going last year. Everyone loved to watch the Chiefs. Everyone wanted to play the Chiefs. Everyone loves Patrick Mahomes. Here he comes in. Obviously a guy that everyone's going to be watching this year. They come in with a win total of 10. Now they start out with the Jags, Raiders, Ravens, and Lions. If you kind of look at that, if we step back, and again, we're, we're still a month and a half away from the season actually getting going here, but... On the surface, it looks like that's a three and one, four and zero type say, type territory right there. Of course, they could stumble against the the Ravens, who are expected to be pretty good here. They get the Broncos twice, they get the Raiders twice. I mean, you kind of look here, and a, a ten total with this Chiefs team seems kind of right on. I don't know. I lean a little bit more towards the over in this one, but uh, what are your thoughts on this Chiefs team? Kind of as we look here. Well, to start to start when when you're looking at the double digit win teams as projected on over-unders season wins. Um, I, I always like use a poker analogy. It's like going in maybe ace-queen against king-jack. Not quite that. Maybe like ace-nine against king-jack from your percentage chance just right out the flop. The In the last 20 years, um, to play over a double-digit season win has only won 40, just over 40% of the time. In the last 10 years, it's been a little better. Um, but if you actually took out the Patriots, who I think are like 9-3-2, and two, in other words, they've pushed two, times, two, two seasons in the last 12 or 14, they've pushed their season win total, but they've gone over a majority of time. If you took the Patriots out of the equation, you know, you'd be, you'd be below 40%. So... People love to play the overs. The sports books know that. And yet, if you play these double-digit season-win-told teams over, it's over over time. It's been a losing proposition. Um, uh, you know, 40 percent of the time you're going to win, and about sixty percent of the time you're going to lose on that. However, you, 
what you just started to allude to and point out, you certainly need to evaluate the schedule. And the Patriots, again, as hard as it is to play under, and you've been making money playing them over, them in particular, they've got another softer schedule this year, one of the easier in the NFL. Um, it, it breaks down. And and um, and yet I'm, I'm probably one of the few that are still – I think we're going to see enough improvement from the Bills and Jets this year that I, I would not play the Patriots over. I don't think it's a meal ticket. You're going to see a lot of people saying that they're going uh, to – you're locked to win the division, and I don't believe that this year. The Chiefs, however, as you mentioned, um, tough division you know, with the Chargers, and I think the Raiders will be improved. You know, they're not going to be a winning team, it looks like, and probably the Broncos neither, but they should look to be a little improved, I think, both those. And it, the injury situation with Tyree Kill and what's going to happen, is he going to play enough and what what's going to status there? Just watch the injuries in the preseason. I personally have not bet any of these yet. Um, I've made up some week one bets, but I haven't made season wins because I want to get through and watch the injuries. You saw what happened with A.G. Green and some of that impact. But I have a lot more schedule analysis to do before that. But on these season wins, the one uh, the one team is that uh, you mentioned the KC Chiefs with their schedule. And then look at the Rams. Tough, tough schedule right out of the go. And if you're playing these over, you're going to see an adjustment maybe on some of the lines. But you're going to see. Uh, uh, All right, Jay, you're getting, ahead of, you're getting ahead of this here, man. Let's let's, let's we're, 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 we're talking about each of these teams. Yeah, <laughs> We're going to talk about each of these teams as we as we get going here. Like you're 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 blowing the you're blowing this up here, um, Brett. He Tangent. alluded he alluded to the Patriots. This is a team you know very very well. Obviously, you are a a a a Bills fan, and you have been able to experience you know all of the all of the people up there in the Northeast who jumped on this Patriots bandwagon about a decade ago. And I'm sure you had people even in your home city who decided to abandon your Buffalo Bills and join on the the bandwagon there in the North. Northeast with with the Patriots 11 is the win total there now if we take a look here at the beginning of this schedule for the Patriots as Jay kind of alluded to here they have the Steelers in week one if they do beat this Steelers kind of you know this new look Steelers team without Antonio Brown weeks two through seven are the Dolphins Jets Bills Redskins Giants and Jets we are looking at a moonwalk basically to seven and O for this Patriots team. So you are getting seven and O towards this 11 number right out of the gate here. I mean, it's crazy to think that you could even be considering an over on an 11 win total here, but hell, if this plays out kind of the way it looks like it could, it's, it's almost tough for them not to get there at the very least a push. This is the easiest schedule in the NFL and, and Warren Sharp, who does all of the analysis of the schedule right after the schedule comes out, he confirmed it. This is by far the easiest schedule in the NFL. So why why wouldn't this team win 11 games again? They're at the Dolphins where they usually lose, but like it's so early in the season, I can't see them throwing up a dud. Hell, the Dolphins don't even know who's going to be playing quarterback for them right yeah, now. You yeah, know, exactly. I mean, like it's and and how things are going there. I mean, the the middle of the schedule, there are going to be some tough games. I mean, there's the the. Obviously, the surging Browns that everyone thinks is going to be much, much better this year. The Ravens that everyone thinks is going to be much, much better this year. That's on the road there, on the road at the Eagles with a healthy Carson Wentz. And then a home game against the Cowboys. That's a tough four-game stretch. And then, and then even after that, they go on the road to the Texans and then back home against the Chiefs. So, I mean, that is six games that are certainly not going to be a cakewalk by any stretch of the imagination. But... I mean, when you look at this, they close out Bengals, Bills, Dolphins, <laughs> you know, I mean, so if we if they do go seven and oh at the beginning, like we think they they very well could. Then you close out Bengals, Bills, Dolphins. There's 10 right there. They really only have to win one of those six games there in the middle, Jay, that are that are going to be tough games. I don't know. It just 
seems like the overs to play here. We, yeah, I'm looking at that schedule and it's it is soft in the early. But I, you know, I think going to Buffalo, you know, I'm I'm saying that's a loss on late September. I think Buffalo's defense is going to be really they were good. They were surprisingly good last year, and I think they'll be are good. Are you ready for out that, of but, your yeah. mind? Did you just <laughs> no, say the I, Patriots I, are going to lose here? Yeah, and I'm going to be getting seven. I know I already know I'll be on them that game, the Bills. <laughs> but let, let, me, let me just comment because your your point is well taken about. Let's say they get off to a six and one seven zero start. Now when you're, when you start to look at season wins, we're talking about. But from a betting perspective, they're going to be, I'll say, slightly inflated, a little taxed on the betting line. And then they get that tough stretch where they, um, they'll, you know, Cleveland at home will be tough. But then you know, start November at Baltimore, at Philly, Dallas at home, at Houston, Kansas City. I mean, you know, I. You know, if they can get three wins there, I, that that'd be a probably good. And I again, you're, you're I think a lot of people will give New England way too much credit. I I won't play over eleven. I I think it's going to be a a tougher season than most expect for New England. And these games that look like gimmies are going to be a little tougher for them. This I think year. it's a push. I think push is like your worst case <laughs> scenario in in this scenario for this team. Well, what's you're, interesting? What's interesting with the Patriots is at the end of the year, if they're coasting. They might just tank against the Bills. There and is, they got the Bills and Dolphins that, at home. Why? Right? Why even play Brady in those games? That's you know? true. There, there, there is that. You know, the closing out. Like we said, I mean, you know, they do close out Bengals, Bills, Dolphins. If they've already got everything locked up, I mean, you know, we we certainly could see a lack of motivation. We certainly could see some stumbling there. You mentioned the Rams as well. Ten and a half is the total over at DraftKings for those guys. They start out at Carolina, at home against the Saints, and then at Cleveland. I mean, Brett, when we look at this for this Rams team, I mean, you know, 0-3 not out of the question starting for this team. So 10.5, that is a, that's a hefty total for a team that could be looking at week four heading in looking for their first win. Yeah, especially when you've got a quarterback situation where if golf gets hurt, you're, you're stuck with Blake Bortles. Uh, I don't love that. But, yeah, I mean, it, it's a tough way to start the season for them schedule-wise, but it does get a lot easier later on. They've got, I think, one of the easier I think the seventh easiest schedule according to Warren, Warren Sharp's numbers so uh, not the most difficult schedule on for the season but um, ten and a half seems about right yeah it certainly that- lightens up I mean Bucks Niners Bengals Cardinals Niners Cardinals you know it, yeah. it certainly lightens up for them uh, as you kind of move on here uh, what do you think about this Rams team, Jay? We don't want to go too long on on this. We'll certainly talk about these teams a lot over the next month as we get into the preseason here. But just kind of on the surface here, do you think they're being overvalued a little bit because of last season? No, uh, without question. Yet I last year, I, I remember going this season, I had the Rams pegged as a, a defensively that they would be one of the better teams in the league. And statistically, they were, I think, in the bottom quarter bottom quartile um, but they were they were better I think than their stats and a lot of that is their offense and and teams like Kansas City that are not in the field or or, or their offense is uh, not on the field as long as they're quick strike like the Rams their defense is going to possibly be on the field longer so you, you can't always look at the stats but there this is still going to be a uh, what appears to be a really good team and and if they can get through the early season as you mentioned and uh, get their share of wins then uh, this is this certainly is an attainable number yeah this Saints team uh saints coming in at 10 and a half as well they have the rams on on the schedule there in week two at the rams um jay looking at this saints team and this Saints schedule here it is certainly a hell of a schedule i mean there is no stretch of gimmies 
at all. I mean, it, we can literally just go game by game here. And as you hear the schedule, you realize that this Saints team is really going to have to bring it just about every single week. I mean, it's Texans, Rams, Seahawks, Cowboys. Bucks is an interdivisional game, of course, so you're always going to get their best effort. Jags, Bears, Cardinals should be a gimme, but then it's Falcons, Bucks, Panthers, Falcons, 49ers that, that maybe will be gelling by the towards the end of the season. Jimmy Garoppolo will finally have, you know, a lot of games with that offense under his belt. Then Colts, Titans, Panthers. I mean, I, I, I get the 10 and a half here. I understand the Saints are a very, very good team and pretty much return everybody from last year. So it's kind of a plug and play situation for them. But man, you look at this schedule, they don't even have the benefit of 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 getting a team off their bye where they're rested and the other teams not because they play the Falcons off their bye in week 10. And that is also the Falcons coming off of their bye. So they they're actually going to get a rested team as well. So, I mean, they don't even get that that whole rest advantage thing coming out of a bye. I don't know. I think I think 10 and a half is is pretty steep number here when you look at the schedule overall. Very steep. And and like we talked about earlier, you look at the schedules of these teams. And, and while we're projecting, and, and you might think, oh, Tampa Bay is not going to be very good, and Jacksonville was so bad last year. But, you know, Jacksonville the year before was really good. So now their defense is going to be much improved. And what looks like, you know, a game they should win even on the road suddenly becomes a, a lot tougher. And, you know, remember, we went into last season, Chicago Bears weren't supposed to be much. They go 12-4, and four, win the division. You see this every year that teams, you know, we can glance the schedule and there's different ways of evaluating a schedule from just straight records last year to some of the analytics like um, Brett mentioned with Warren Sharp and how they break down which teams are going to be a little stronger and the statistical profiles of them but um, we're, we're going through in here kind of projecting but there's going to be even tougher games I think that we're looking at that what appears on their schedule I think the Saints got a, got a full hand a very tough tough road this year yeah Brett you said you've kind of looked at the rankings here I can only imagine the Saints schedule has to be towards the top as one of the, the the toughest out there he's actually got it average like interesting exactly average so i mean i haven't i haven't uh really taken a dive into their schedule yet but i would imagine there has to be some some games where they should be able to just kind of like sweep through right there wasn't really there isn't really a stretch i mean like That's surprising. It, yeah it's it's because it always kind of you know, early season back to back at la rams and then at seattle yeah. come back for dallas i mean that's yeah, yeah <laughs> i mean that's just a hell of a that's a hell of a way here and like i said they don't even get the they don't even get the hey we're we're rested the other team's not coming off a bye situation because the the damn falcons and won a divisional game and it's another team coming off of a bye i don't know it just seems like they got kind of the the bad end of the stick when it comes to the it comes to the schedule there this year now the Eagles, a team, there's the final double-digit uh, win total there on DraftKings. They have a 10 total here. Road games with the Vikings, Packers, and Falcons in the first six weeks of the season. Of course, they play the Cowboys twice. They play the Bears. They play the Patriots. I mean, this is, uh, if they can kind of get through unscathed, or kind of when I say unscathed, like not just getting torched in that first part of the schedule here, if they can kind of maybe go 500-ish, a little bit over 500, five of their final six games, now they do play the Seahawks, but at the Dolphins, Giants, Redskins, and then Giants again. So they close out very, very soft for this Eagles team. So it's kind of like if they can survive, things look pretty good, Brett. Yeah, this looks like one of the easier schedules in the league, and certainly in the second half of the season, they could they could get through seven and one in the second half of the season with the way this is set up. But yeah, I mean they've got the Patriots and the Bears at home, both winnable at home. They've got they're at the Bills; they could win there. 
and they're at the Vikings really is, the t- I think, the toughest at the Vikings and at the Packers. They are going to be tough games for sure. But overall, I think this is a pretty easy schedule. And uh, 10, 10 feels attainable. I'm with Jay. I don't like betting overs with these some of these upper tier teams, but uh, the Eagles certainly look like one of the better bets. Yeah, if we're just kind of trying to look at it, I, I don't like betting them really either, to be honest with you. But if we're just trying to step back and, and, and take a look at these just objectively, uh, looking at this schedule and looking at what we expect from the Eagles, Jay, um, you know, the 10 number seems to be kind of right on. If it was nine and a half, I might I might actually fire the over um, on that. But with it with it being right at 10, I think we're looking, you know, push type situation. But uh, imagine the Eagles to be pretty good, pretty improved. And then this schedule seems to fit them really well. Well, just a couple of comments on the, the market's bullish on definitely on the Eagles this year. And so if you can get nine and a half, you want to bet it now. If, you, if it's 10 and you still, uh, that's the best you're going to get. I, I think you're going to see the VIG rise even on 10. Wentz missed five games, I think, last year. The secondary was decimated. Uh, they had a lot of injuries that impacted um, their overall performance off of their Super Bowl winning year the prior year. And yet they still, uh, you know, they're still pretty good. And I, I think this is a bounce back team to, to definitely contend in, a, in the NFC and, and want to um, challenge Dallas. Apparently on top of the division and nine and a half. If you can get it, I bet it and um, look at look at getting over this. Uh, Ten is, I think, a minimum number for them this year. It's a yeah. really good roster. It is. It really is. Really talented. Excellent offensive line. You know, really good offensive line. Lots of options in the backfield as well. I mean, you know, I mean they they did they added Jordan Howard. They've got a uh, Miles Sanders that has been really showing out apparently according to the beat writers as well. Of course, Darren Sproles is still there in town. So. Uh, yeah, very, very talented roster. Certainly a team that I will be keeping a close eye on here. Now, we don't really talk about the teams in the middle. All these kind of weird, just, you know, eight and a half win totals, nine win totals, things like that. I mean, it's seven and a half. We could debate that till the cows come home. But we looking at these, the guys at the bottom here, because these are also some of the ones I find very interesting with these six wins or fewer teams. And it's like, can you find the wins or do you think that maybe they're even giving them more credit then it's worth here. We'll start with the Cardinals, who are pegged at five right now, Jay. A five-win total for them. I mean, they do play two of the projected kind of bad teams in the first five weeks. They play the Lions and the Bengals in uh, Lions in week one and then week five against the Bengals. So, I mean, I guess, quote-unquote, winnable games if you want to look at it that way. But, I mean, this team, this schedule did them absolutely no favors. I mean, they travel to the Ravens in week two. Again, we're talking about a team that's located in Arizona. They travel to Baltimore in week two. They travel to the Bengals in week five. They travel to Jersey to play the Giants in week seven. They travel to play the Bucks in week 10. I mean, they are doing all these cross-country flights over there. They close with five games against the Rams, Steelers, Browns, Seahawks, and Rams. I, I, I don't know, man. I know five is very, very low, but I think we could be looking at like a three win team here. Boy, this team, what a disaster last year. And and there are going to be teams now that have these four or five win totals that will surprise. We have to figure out if you're playing over who they're going to be. And last year, there was a lot of betting against Buffalo to the under, and it kept coming down. They were the tough team. Um, This year, I think their defense improves. But on the Cardinals front, I have to see it. I have to see Kyler Murray, if he's going to be the starter and he gets in there. um, You know, brand new coaches, brand new offense. He's learning the pro game. And yes, he's going to be an exciting player, and you're going to hear the media hype this kid until it doesn't stop. But uh, it's going to be a tough road for them and him to, uh, I think, transition into the pro-style passing game. He's got a lot of talent, and and 
I've been trying to read up now early already on, on what Arizona and how he's doing with the receivers, but it's a, it's a pretty tough schedule. Certainly, as you mentioned, and I don't anticipate a lot of success here. It's a, it's nothing that I'm betting right now. Certainly I won't bet over on this team from what I've seen early and the quarterback situation concerns me. I mean, Brett, when we look at, at this schedule with this, with this team here, I mean, this is starting in, this is starting in week eight. It goes saints 49ers. Now they do go at the bucks in week 10, but then it's back to Niners, Rams, Steelers, Browns, Seahawks, Rams, teams that we assume are going to be very focused, teams that we assume are going to be in it, teams that are going to probably be needing wins in order to either increase where they are in the playoffs or get in the playoffs. I mean, that is starting in week eight. Saints, Niners, then again, the Bucks, Niners, Rams, Steelers, Browns, Seahawks, Rams. And this is after them flying all over back and forth across the coast through the beginning of the season as well. I mean, this schedule did this Cardinals team absolutely no favors whatsoever. And like I said, I, I really do. I think we could be looking at like a two or three win team here. Yeah. And it's a new system with a rookie quarterback, with a coach who couldn't win five games in the Big 12 the last two years. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I was going to comment. No, no, no experience in the pros for the coach. Yeah, I love the under here. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's crazy. Bengals are a team that we have seen. Their win total just spiral downward. A.J. Green news with the injury with him sent this team. They were originally not one of the teams here in this uh, six wins or fewer, but now they sit at five and a half here. I mean, I guess if we look at this and if we believe that A.J. Green is going to be back before the middle of the season, that's at least the optimistic outlook right now. I mean, maybe it's not as big a disaster as it looks here, but when you kind of look down this, Brett, and you kind of see how this schedule breaks down for this Bengals team, you try and if you look for wins, right? And I mean, I guess you could say at the Bills in week three, maybe you kind of see at home versus the Cardinals, we think they're going to stink. So, I mean, maybe we kind of chalk that up as a win, but then at the Raiders again in week 11, maybe they have the Jets and Dolphins. Maybe the Jets don't improve as much as people think, and they're still a dumpster fire. We expect the Dolphins to be bad. But again, I, you know, getting this team to six wins when we sit here at five and a half on the Bengals, uh, they'll probably throw in a surprise win somewhere, but that still only gets you to five. I don't, I don't know. This, some of these bad teams, it's, it's really hard to pluck the wins out of the schedule. I think there are definitely some wins here. And and me, I mean, I, I would try to get some value on the overreaction to A.J. Green. I mean, his in, his injury history has to be built into that number originally, right? I mean, there's a chance. There's always a chance he could get hurt right away. So, I mean, if I can get them now at five and a half when they were at six, I feel pretty confident in, in the over. If, if there's, you know, if I had to do anything with it, I would probably stay away because I don't know what this offense is going to look like. Uh, I guess we got a taste of it last year with uh, with a, Tyler Boyd kind of taking over as, as the number one wide receiver. They really don't have anything else in the passing game. But uh, I think there's some I think there's some sneaky wins here with the Bengals. Uh, they could they could surprise. Jay, how do you treat these type of situations when you have a key player go down and we already know that he's gone down? You see the market adjust here. Year, do you like to take advantage of that or is this one of the things you're going to sit back and kind of see how this team looks a little bit because I mean again like, like like Brett said we did see a little bit of this last year with Tyler Boyd as the number one they certainly didn't light the world on fire I don't know if there's any reason for us to believe that they will suddenly come out and, and click without AJ Green out there but um, you know how do we how do we treat the Bengals at five and a half Bengals, again, huge injury of A.J. Green, so you want to watch that. We're talking a lot about the offense, but the thing I note immediately on the de- on the Bengals is their defense. They finished dead last in yards per game against last year at 413 per game, and that has to improve, and it probably will um, 
got the coaching change in, in, in I, I have to see how they're, um, we'll dig a little deeper. So I'm watching what's, what's happening with the defense and some of the personnel through the preseason before I would get involved in, in the Bengals. And then offensively, you just have to have overall more consistent and productive play from quarterback and Dalton. And if he can do that, then yeah, they're going to win those games that Brett said that they're, they're going to be a little, little surprised that you're going to see them upsetting some teams. And, but the defense to me has to show a lot of improvement, um, on that side of the ball. Brett, a team you are very familiar with in the division with your team. The Dolphins come in as a five-win total here. Oh, and four is basically a near lock. They play four playoff teams to start the year. They play a couple teams that are projected to be better than they were last year and a couple that are at least expected to be just as good. They play the Ravens, Patriots, Cowboys, and Chargers to start the season. So that is, again, nearly a near lock to to be zero and four, then they get the skins and bills. Maybe they split that, and you're looking at one and one. So now we're looking at a one and five team here. The only other potential wins I could pluck off of this schedule. I mean, they do have two games against the Jets, and again, if the Jets don't take a step forward, like a lot of people think they will, maybe they won't. And so the maybe you have winnable games against the Jets there. They do get the Bills again in Week Eleven. They close out with the 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 Giants and Bengals there. Um, it is an interesting situation, like we mentioned when we were talking about the Patriots, because they do get the Patriots in week 17, and that could be a kind of like a sit the starters type situation for the Patriots there. I don't know if this is a, a, an underplay here with this Dolphins team, because I do think that there is some wins on the table there. And again, maybe towards the end of the season, we have a full on tank situation from either the Bengals or the Giants, and, and perhaps it's a, it's a sit-em situation for the Patriots. I don't know. I think they maybe could backdoor this over here, this Dolphins team. Yeah, and I wanted to like the Dolphins because I'm a huge Fitzpatrick believer, and I think I think Rosen is still going to be a good quarterback in this league. What's interesting about this schedule is the rest of the AFC East has a cakewalk. I mean, the Patriots have the easiest schedule, and the Jets and Bills are both top five as far as the easiest in the league. The Dolphins are near the bottom. This is a really difficult schedule. So, I mean, it's, it's not easy to find five wins here unless you give them one over the Bills and Jets. And I'm not even ready to do that yet. The Bills and, and Jets both look improved to me. And this Dolphins roster is a horror show. So uh, five is difficult. But like you said, it, they could backdoor their way into a win over the Patriots there in week 17 to get you to five or six. I think that's the only way it's going to happen. Jay, when you look at this, when it comes out, whether Fitzpatrick or Rosen wins the job there, does that change your thoughts on this at all? I mean, with Fitzpatrick under center and having, you know, as many games under his belt as he does and, you know, the, the crazy games where Fitzpatrick just seems to be like a God and he absolutely just goes off or something like that. Does, does that change your look on this team at all? Or are we still sitting back going, look, this is overall a bad roster, overall a bad team. And then when you look at the schedule, it's really hard to pluck six wins out of this thing. I would I'd be on your side that I'd like to find a reason to play a team like this over. But the schedule, uh, as you both started to mention, and, and, I'm, and I'm looking at it again, think about midseason. They, they go to Pittsburgh, come back home, but then go to Indianapolis, go to Cleveland. Um, these are these are going to be tough games. They're going to be an underdog almost every single road game. And um they, yes, it's going to be an improvement on offense. Fitzpatrick is the favorite, pretty good favorite to win the job by week one right now. He's The comments from the coach are that uh, he's looked much better so far. Uh, again, back to the defense, though, they were bottom five in the league last year, allowed over 390 per game. 
390 yards per game. That should improve with Flores coming in. He was a defensive corner for the Patriots. I wasn't big on his hire. Um, I think this year is going to be tough, really tough for the Dolphins. And, you, you know, it's a team that it can rebuild the roster a little bit and look for the next few years. But I, I, I'm not playing this one over, and I have to look a little bit more before I get on the under as well. All right, Jay, let's go to the uh, punching bag, essentially, of the of the NFL over the last few seasons. The New York Giants here, they come in as a five-and-a-half win total. They do have three kind of quote-unquote winnable games, if you will, in their first four. They start out at the Cowboys. We will assume that is a loss. They are seven-and-a-half-point dogs in that thing right now. Of course, the Ezekiel Elliott situation could play out and maybe change your opinion on that. But then, they, then it's Bills, Bucks, and Redskins. Again, quote unquote, winnable games when it comes down to it. So a five and a half total here where they do play the Jets. They uh, they do play the the Dolphins. They do play the Redskins again, obviously, with the way that that works out. They do play the Lions. What do you think about this Giants team as we head into the, the preseason here? I got to look a lot more at their offensive line. You know, uh, Eli, is the is he going to be a, a little more productive? Because that's been a big drawback. And when you lose... OJ on at receiver, that's a big hit. Uh, you're going to see Barkley have a tremendous load in this offense, both running and catching out of the backfield. So he's going to be a key player. But is their offensive line going to be good enough? And is their offense going to be able to stay on the field enough to give their defense some rest? little below average defensively last year. I think they'll be better. But again, you had a first-year coach last year who, who was experienced, and Pat Shermer has been around the league. That Just like we talked about Miami, I think that first year is tough. The second year, I think the Giants could be a surprise um, not for their win total but a number of teams where they're getting a lot of points so looking at their schedule they've got to be able to maybe go on the road and find a way to win it like Tampa Bay in, in September to be able to get to, if you're going to play over this win total um, mid-season or early part of November tough they got to be able to go to a game and, and win at the New York Jets right there in their stadium against uh, uh, an AFC team so if they can get those kind of wins as probably short numbers and spreads or small underdogs then they have a chance to get over this total but more wait and see to me until i see if eli is going to be able to adapt to this yeah. offensive line yeah. and produce and brett you know one of the things i think we should at least bring up they do have a buy in week 11 so they have a late season buy if they are really really bad off i mean it would not be crazy to think that the quarterback change gets made there so now you have oh, weeks oh then you have weeks 12 to 17 with a, a rookie quarterback and then at that point you know, then at that point, are they really going to win any games to, to close out the season? You know, so I think that's something to, to consider as well. If you're looking at this team, you know, if they are surprising, then, yeah, I mean, you, you do have Dolphins and Redskins as, as two of the games that you do close out with. Very winnable, you would assume. But, uh, you know, we could be looking at heading into week 12 with a rookie quarterback and basically kind of punting on the rest of the season. So something to to keep in mind there. Do you think, Brett, just as I put your feet to the fire, do you think Eli starts every game for them this season or no? No, I don't. And and the, the thing with the Giants is I really like the Eagles this year, and the Cowboys could be scary good if Zeke does show up. That defense is really impressive. And I always like the Redskins as a sneaky over. So that means one team in that division is going to go under, and that, for me, is the Giants. Raiders, this is a six-win total for this team. We talked about how brutal the schedule has been, what was for the Cardinals. No favors to this Raiders team either. From September 15th to November the 3rd, they do not play a single game in Oakland. That is a game that is four road games and a London game, which, of course, you have to give up a home game. And that is against the Bears over there. So this is this Raiders team. Boy, a big, big hill to climb. When we look at this, Brett, I mean, 
It is. They also play seven, seven different 1 p.m. Eastern time games as well. Crazy. Of course, they are West Coast team, which means that is a 10 a.m. start for this team. I mean, Brett, this number, I, I actually went ahead and this is the only bet I've actually made is the under so far on this Raiders team. Uh, you can try to convince me otherwise, but I mean, I think this is like, I think this is a three or four win team. This is the hard knocks team, right? It is. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Give me the under after it gets juiced up even more because they, that's ain't true. they might get a, they might get a half a game because you get the hard knocks effect. Yeah. I don't know if that's real, but, uh, <laughs> it, it could be, there's a non-zero chance that, you know, there is some juice there with hard knocks. So. Yeah, I'm I'm all in on the under with this one. Jay, what do you think about this Raiders team? You you're here with me on the West Coast. I mean, this is just I, I don't know what the schedule makers were doing to this team. I don't know what they have against the Raiders. Maybe it was one of those things where let's make them so bad their last year in Oakland that they can only do better when they get to Vegas. And like it'll look like it's a big win in that first season one in Vegas. But I mean, seriously, September fifteenth and November third, they aren't at home. And then, of, co- of course, the rest of the season, just, you know, across the span of the season, seven different early games for this team. Uh, it, it's just nuts. That's ridiculous. <laughs> it's so sick that the league could do that to them. And for Raiders fans, especially in Oakland, that's going to be a tough, tough one to go out on as their final season. I think they're going to be better when they get to Vegas. And and they again, their offensive line got improvement this year in the offseason. They brought in a key player, the highest paid lineman in the league, and, and they're going to be a little better. But um, the schedule, the schedule. So when we evaluate the season wins, we keep coming back to that. Um, not only the teams they play, but in this case, the travel and the setup is just awful. They really got an unjust situation here. But seriously, um, I, you, you, you guys, you guys, I think have it right. And again, from a weekly basis, when you start looking at the lines, there's going to be opportunities, and, and and it's hard to project. But teams definitely make improvements, and you you got to hope that Gruden can keep them together through all of this uh, turmoil that's probably ahead with the travel situation. I see the schedule ranked as the third toughest in the league, and that does not even factor in all the early games. So it's probably the toughest schedule in the NFL yeah, this year. Yeah, just just craziness here. The final team we're going to talk about is the Redskins. They come in as a six total here. Eagles, Cowboys, Bears to kick off the season. That's likely 0-3 for this Redskins team. They do have games with the Giants and Dolphins, but that's sandwiched between Patriots, Niners, Vikings. So let's say they, they, they win both of those. We'll just go ahead and, and give them an unlikely scenario that they beat both the Giants and Dolphins. We're still looking at a 2-6 and six team here. And then kind of the only remaining quote-unquote winnable games, Bills, Jets, Gi- uh, Lions, and Giants again. Uh, this Redskins team, uh, Jay, to me, I think might be a little undervalued. I think that the offense certainly is going to be better. They do get Darius Geis back there. Uh, rookie that was going to start last year and of course got injured in yes. the preseason so they do get him back I mean I don't know I think that I think six though I don't it's not really an appealing number to me to bet one side or the other I think six might just land right on the number for me and, and that's a good point and especially in this division if you're projecting like I think we are Dallas defense is going to be really good they're likely contender Philadelphia is going to be very good this season it, you know now you got those within the division whether those are home or away for the Redskins those are going to be very four very difficult games and um you, you know, you've got this is the this is the quarterback rotation to watch through the preseason because Case Keenum comes in um, from Denver after playing well for the Vikings the year prior. And he's got to make the adjustment. I think he's the slight favorite to win the job. But Colt McCoy is the one who's been in the system longer. And McCoy actually, I think, is capable. He he got injured in the Philadelphia game late last season. Um 
after going four for four for like 50 yards and had a pretty good game the week before. But he could ultimately win the job. And the question is, is Haskins, who they say has looked sharper in the first season, I've heard and seen that before with these rookies, but I don't think he's the one. With that tough schedule, I don't think he's the one they should put in there, but they might be calling for him by you know, the early part of October and certainly by a week later in the year, and that's the risk you have with the Redskins. If they're really struggling and Jay Gruden's job is in jeopardy and they're not winning right. games, then then they might be a throwout team that come, you know, they might... I don't want to say they roll over because these are professionals, but the reality is the players and their focus and they're wondering about their jobs later in the season if they're out of the playoff hunt. And then Haskins, you bring in a rookie quarterback. That's uh, That could be a tough remedy to, to swallow, and I, I'd have a tough time maybe considering the over if, if that's the case. Brett, one last team before we get out of here, um, and it's, they, don't fall, they don't fall within the six or fewer, but it is six and a half, the, the Bucks a team that we've talked about that probably is a a win on a lot of people's schedules. You want to talk about another hard schedule here. They do not play in Tampa Bay from September the 22nd until November the 10th. That is a stretch that has five consecutive road games that includes two West Coast trips and a London game. So, again, I don't know how this happens to a couple of these teams this year, but... Man, the Bucks again, no favors at all. And and poor Jameis Winston. Oh, I say poor Jameis Winston. I'm not a Jameis Winston fan. However, you know, we're we're assuming he's playing for his job this year. And you look at this schedule and it is just absolutely brutal. And people are going to be calling for his head. And I don't even know if it's going to be necessarily his fault. I mean, this is, again, five consecutive road games, two West Coast trips and a London game. Well, maybe don't suck, and then you'll get eventually, <laughs> you'll get a favorable travel schedule eventually. And and the thing is, once they actually get on the field, this is not an easy schedule either. This is pretty brutal. So I'm I'm leaning with you guys. I mean, this this looks like with the Raiders the toughest schedule in the league. So uh, I I would lean under for sure. Yeah, um, guys. We will talk the NFL futures and kind of where that money is coming from DraftKings next week. We'll talk a little bit about key numbers, what exactly key numbers are if you're not aware of kind of key numbers and how those play into sports betting. We'll also kind of look at teasers and the prices that you can get teasers at the various sports books, at the various legal sports books as well, because if you know how to play teasers, they can certainly uh, be to your advantage and certainly be a profitable uh, play for a sports better you can't just be all willy-nilly with it but there are certain situations where teasers can certainly work for you so be sure and tune in next week as we talk about that stuff and of course all the other news that happens in the sports betting dfs and poker world so be sure again apple podcast spotify stitcher google podcast follow us on the twitter machine at the lines us at play us you can follow us individually on the twitter machine as well for jay For Brett, I'm Matt. See you guys next week.